As you guys know, that song is one of the songs that I've been leaning heavily on for these last uh, couple of months, and I will tell you, he won't fail you. Whatever you're carrying, whatever you're walking through, whatever you're in the middle of, or whatever you might step into tomorrow, he will not fail you. He will be right there. God is good to us. Amen. And uh, I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to be doing this again this week. I ask you to take your Bible, turn to John chapter 5. We will finish our study of John chapter 5 this morning. And I'll go ahead and tell you, just as for those of you who like to study ahead, just keep right on going into John chapter 6. I think I told you a few weeks ago that uh, I know where I knew a number of weeks ago that, jo- that God was leading me to John chapter 6. He just led me, ironically, right straight through chapter 5 in order to get there. So just keep right on studying John chapter 6. But if you go, to go to John chapter 5 today, put your finger on verse 31. It's on page 1,227 in the Pew Bible there in front of you. John chapter 5. We will stand in a minute and read the final verses of chapter 5 together. You know, as we've studied so far in John chapter 5, the Jews are persecuting Jesus. Scripture teaches us that they are persecuting Jesus for the things that he has done. They are persecuting Jesus for the day in which he has done them, and they are persecuting Jesus for the claims that he is making about who he is in relation to the Father. And John chapter 5, verse 16, which we've studied earlier, says that they persecuted Jesus and then they sought to kill him. And if you're open to today's scripture, you don't have to go anywhere. Just look back at verse 18. After Jesus claims his relationship with God, verse 18 says, Therefore the Jews sought all the more to kill him, because he not only broke the Sabbath, but also said that God was his Father, making himself equal with God. Now, we know because we've studied God's Word for a while together. We know because you've read God's Word that Jesus will be eventually facing an actual trial. So in reading the Scripture today, I was reading this week, I saw one recurring theme that I want to position you at before we stand and read the Scripture. And I want you to look for this theme as we read. It's the word witness or testify, or testimony. Now, before we stand and read, I did a little bit of research. You know, there are a number of um, types of witnesses. Seems like today TV is full of shows talking about the courtroom setting. And then in life, we've either seen it or been a part of it or been on jury duty. We understand this courtroom setting. And there are many types of witnesses that are used within a trial situation. I'll start with one that's called an eyewitness. Some call it a lay witness. This is a person who has watched certain events and describes simply what they saw occur, what they heard said, or what they uh, saw happen in a situation. An eyewitness, we understand that one. There is also, that we know, an expert witness This is a person educated in a certain area. They testify with respect to their speciality only. They have not seen or heard the specifics of this case. 
They are coming to affirm something from an expert point of view. There's also a witness called a character witness, someone who knows the victim or the defendant or other people involved in the case. Character witnesses usually do not see the crime take place, or they would be called an eyewitness, but they can be very helpful in a case because they know the personality of someone involved in the trial. I also saw that there's someone called a secondary witness. Uh, This is a witness that helps tie certain events or facts together. These witnesses typically never have information about the crime or what happened. They mainly prove things like chain of custody, that things were handled correctly within a process. And then I found one more, not that I've exhausted all the types of witnesses out there, but we've all heard people called the hostile witness. Also known as an adverse witness is a witness who is openly antagonistic or takes a contrary position to the reason why they were called. Now, witnesses are considered a vital part of any trial, any agreement, even a marriage. Do you know that you cannot get married? It takes at least four people for you to be legally married. It takes a bride and a groom. It takes an ordained pastor to be able to do that, and it takes at least one witness. In some states, it takes two witnesses. But witnesses are vital in things. We know this. If you've had something notarized, you have to have a witness. So many times, witnesses play a key role in life. So as we stand together, I want you to listen for words that work around the word witness or testify or testimony. So let's all stand together. I'm going to read beginning in verse 31 of John chapter 5. Verse 31, I'm going to read through the end of the chapter, verse 47. Verse 31 says, If I bear witness of myself, my witness is not true. There is another who bears witness of me, and I know that the witness which he witnesses of me is true. You have sent to John, and he has borne witness to the truth. Yet I do not receive testimony from a man, but I say these things that you may be saved. He was the burning and shining lamp, and you were willing for a time to rejoice in his light. But I have a greater witness than John's for the works which the Father has given me to finish, the very works that I do bear witness of me that the Father has sent me. And the Father himself who sent me has testified of me. You have neither heard his voice at any time nor seen his form, but you, have, but you do not have his word abiding in you because whom he sent him you do not believe. You search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and these things, and these are they which testify of me. But you are not willing to come to me that you may have life. I do not receive honor from men, but I know you that you do not have the love of God in you. I have come in my Father's name, and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, you will receive him. How can you believe who receive honor from one another and do not seek the honor that comes from the only God? Do not think that I shall accuse you to the Father. There is one who accuses you, Moses, in whom you trust. For if you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote about me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? Thank you. You may be seated. You know, I read this passage a few times. 
I've mentioned to you guys that in order for me to really go and see what God wants me to say, I read passage, and then I read the passage, and then I read the passage. But did you notice, and it probably wore on you just a little bit, when I mentioned to you, listen for the word witness or testify or testimony, did you not see it just multiples and multiples of times? But you may have read that before, as I had, and you just read it all, but you didn't see that that stamp that was clearly in this passage. And so that's where we're going to spend a little bit of time. Remember that Jesus is continuing a teaching moment that he began in verse 19 of John chapter 5, as we've read. Verse 31, Jesus said this, If I bear witness of myself, my witness is not true. Now let's talk about this just a second to make sure that we understand what this is not saying and we make sure what, what, that we understand what it is saying. Jesus is not saying that he is not reliable or that he is not telling the truth. That is not what Scripture is saying right here. Jesus has, church, let me tell you, and always will be honest and clear and truthful about who he is. In these scriptures that we've already talked about leading up to today, Jesus has already claimed to be the Son of God, to do greater works, verse 20, that he is the giver of life, verse 21, that he will be the sole judge, verse 22. He shared the gospel with them in verse 24, and that he was given full authority by God, verse 27. Jesus has not hesitated to share about who he is, what he's here for, and that you can trust him. So Jesus is not saying, my witness is not true. John chapter 8, verse 14, Jesus said, even if I bear witness of myself, my witness is true, for I know where I came from and where I'm going, but you do not know. What Jesus isn't saying is that what I've told you is untrue. He's saying all of this is true, and I keep saying this to you. Let me tell you what Jesus is saying. He says, if I told you who I was, you don't believe me. Now read that verse right there. He says, if I bear witness of myself, my witness is not true. He's saying, you do not believe me. You do not give me credit for telling you the truth. You know, how many times have we made our lives harder, our situations harder, our predicaments harder because we simply would not believe the truth? I saw somebody the other day, I was driving down the road and the speed limit said this. And I was driving that, you'd be proud of me. I have learned that cruise control keeps me out of a lot of trouble. It really helps me feel good behind the wheel driving because sometimes I'm not always good behind the wheel driving. But I saw a car coming this way and it was moving and you could tell when a car's moving. And then I saw a policeman coming behind them and you know what that meant? That meant that that speed limit sign, it was true. But we don't believe it. We believe that we can drive more than that, do whatever we want to do, but every now and then we're reminded that those statements are true statements. And Jesus is saying, I've told you who I am. I've told you what I'm doing. I've told you who I belong to. I've told you about future events, but you do not believe me. We see this to be true, that they don't believe Jesus, because we've already read verses today and studied them last week where they are going to persecute him and put him on trial and seek to kill him because of these statements that he's made about himself. 
But church, let's keep looking at this scripture because while Jesus has said, I'm not going to be a witness to myself anymore because you don't believe me. Jesus does point out in our scripture today at least five witnesses. He calls them to the stand of your heart to support who he is, what he is doing, and his purposes. I'd just like to run through the witnesses that this scripture calls to the stand today. Witness number one, look at verse 32. It says, there is another who bears witness of me. Now, if you go and look in my Bible, and I hope it is in yours, that there is another who bears witness of me, I know that the witness which he witnesses of me is true. Did you notice that both me is capitalized, that's Jesus, and he is capitalized. That is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit testifies of God. 1 John chapter 5, verse 6 says this, This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ, not only by water, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, who bears witness because the Spirit is truth. Do you know the Holy Spirit of God does not have to stand trial in your heart? He is always true. You know, in, in our world, when we have somebody that we want to be a witness, they put their hand on the Bible, and do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth to help you God? Yes. You know, we make people try to convince us that what they're getting ready to say is true. The Holy Spirit is always true. The Holy Spirit will always witness to Jesus being the Son of God, the Redeemer, the Messiah, the Savior. If you know Jesus today, it is the Holy Spirit of God that convinced you, that helped you come to that faith in Jesus. So the Holy Spirit is a witness to Jesus being the Messiah. But look at witness number two in verse 33. Verse 33, you have sent to John. That would be John the Baptist. John the Baptist was the forerunner of Jesus, and he bore witness to Jesus, the truth. But Jesus makes an interesting statement about John's witness. Did you see that? Look at verse 34. It says, Jesus says, yet I do not receive testimony by man. You know what Jesus is saying there is Jesus saying, I do not need John's testimony to make it true about me. But look at what Jesus goes on to say. He says, but I say these things that you may be saved. Now, church, I want you to really catch a hold of this point right here because it's, it's an important and vital point. Jesus is saying, I don't need the testimony of man to cause me to be worthy or holy or just. I don't need the testimony of man. But what Jesus is saying is, says, I'm sharing with you the testimony of a man so that you can be saved. Jesus is saying, I don't need that testimony, but I'll use it. I will use it. I will use the testimony of someone who knows who I am, someone who trusts me, lives for me. I will use it to be impactful to your life so that you can be saved. John the Baptist was a witness not to prove who Jesus was, even though he did. Jesus says, I can prove who I am all by myself. The witness of John the Baptist was for you. I will use the testimony of man. Can I tell you for just a moment that if you know Jesus as your Savior, you have a testimony. And it is the most important tool 
that you have in sharing Jesus with others. Your personal testimony. You know, that, you know nobody can take that away from you. The path I've been on, what I've gone through, what I'm seeing God do, nobody can question that. Nobody can question your testimony. But I need you to understand that Jesus says right there in that verse that your testimony is important. He says, I don't need it to prove who I am, but I will use the testimony of those who believe to help others be saved. Church, be proud of your testimony. Work on your testimony. Write out your testimony. When you write it out, it'll take you three notebooks. And then when you get better at it, it'll take you one notebook. And then you'll get to write it down, and you'll have a 30-minute version. And then if you keep honing it down, you're going to find out that more and more of you lifts out of it, and more and more Jesus comes in, and you should have a five-minute version of your testimony. And then you should have a two-minute version of your testimony. And then you should have one of those, I'm in the bread aisle getting ready to leave somebody in 30 seconds version of your testimony. Your testimony is important, church. Be proud of it. Jesus changed your life. That's your testimony, and you need to utilize that. Because Jesus said in this verse right here, I don't need it to decide who I am, but I will use it for others to be saved. That's awesome. Your testimony is important, and God says, I'll use it. Witness number three, look at verse 36. But I have a greater witness. You know, Jesus just keeps ratcheting these witnesses up. But I have a greater witness. And look what he says here. He says in verse 36, But I have a greater witness than John's for the works which the Father has given me to finish. Jesus says, there's my testimony. The job that God gave me to do. He gave me things to do. And Jesus goes on and says in verse 36, The very works that I do, they bear witness of me. Jesus fulfilled, we talked about this the number of weeks ago, I went and checked. You know that when Jesus came as Messiah and the things that he did, the works that he did, fulfilled over 300 prophecies in Scripture. Now, we talked in that day how that is a pretty, pretty big number as far as the specifics of how one person, one man can fill all of those, but Jesus did. In Luke chapter 4, verses 18 and 19, Jesus said this near the beginning of his ministry. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind and set liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Not only does Jesus say that in Luke chapter 4, but Isaiah said that before that. Isaiah, so he's fulfilling Scripture. As we discussed, everything Jesus has been doing, he's been doing for us so that we would know who he was. So have you kept track of these witnesses so far? Witness number one, the Holy Spirit. Witness number two, John the Baptist, the man's testimony. Witness number three, the very works that Jesus is doing that were given him by the Father. Witness number four, look at verse 37. And the Father himself who sent me has testified of me. God himself 
is testifying who Jesus is. And if we spend a second, we could come up with this. You know, we could come up that, um, let me just stop. When God takes the stand for you, that's a pretty good witness, right? God himself, God the Father, witnessed to who Jesus was. And you go, well, how? Show me. Well, I've got three that I'll give you, not that there are only three. Do you remember when Jesus was baptized? And as he was coming out of the water, God the Son was in the water. The Holy Spirit came down in the form of a dove, and God the Father spoke and said, This is my Son in whom I am well pleased. If you look other places in Scripture, Matthew chapter 17 is a good one. At the transfiguration, you know, Jesus had taken the three of the disciples up, and they, Jesus went through the transfiguration process. And at the end of that, God said this in Matthew chapter 17, verse 5, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Hear Him. God is saying, not just this is my Son, but you need to listen to what He says. And I'll also provide you another one. You're currently in John chapter 5. You should not have to turn probably more than one page to look at John chapter 6, verse 44. I want to show you one that if we're not careful, we could miss this. John chapter 6, verse 44. Now, we're not giving away future sermons here because, you know, we're preaching in John chapter 6 beginning next week. But John chapter 6, verse 44 says this, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up in the last day. Church, did you see that? Did you catch that? You are not able to come to Jesus until the Father draws you. The Father is testifying of who Jesus is by giving you the insight, testifying who he is. Unless the Father draws you, it is the Father who is testifying in your heart of who Jesus is and drawing you to Jesus. Aren't you glad for the witness of the Father? Now go back to John chapter 5. You can go back, turn that page back. Witness number 5. Look at verse 39. You search the Scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and these are they which testify of me. Now, Jesus says that the Scriptures, they testify of me. Church, can I tell you that this Bible, not this physical singular book, but the Bible, God's Word that He has given to us from the beginning to the end, it testifies of who Jesus is. Up to a certain point, it keeps referring to Him coming. Then it refers to Him being here. Then it refers to him while he's ministering. Then it refers to him going to the cross and being resurrected. Then it refers to him at the right hand of the Father who's one day going to leave that right hand of the Father just long enough to come and get us. Church, we need to understand that Scripture, the Word of God, testifies about who Jesus is, what he comes for, and what he desires from beginning to end. He even said in verse 46, he said, even he, Moses, wrote about me. You know, Moses wrote Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Do you know that Jesus said, and maybe you want to start doing your own little 
Bible study. But, you know, if you go to Genesis, Jesus is there. Exodus, Numbers, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, Jesus is there. The Scriptures, that's why I want to encourage you, be in God's Word every day. We give you the Scriptures for Sunday morning, long before Sunday morning, so that you can be in them. You see, I want today to be where God has already begun to work in you through the Scripture of today, so that when we talk about it together and we exercise it through this process, the Spirit of God can use that, the Word of God can use that to draw you more and more. Church, be in God's Word every single day. Now, every time I do counseling of some kind, whether it be of the we're going to do something great counseling or we're struggling counseling or any place in between, I encourage people. I say, well, first, let me ask you this question. How many days in the last seven days have you spent meaningful time in God's Word and prayer? And what I find is that people who are thriving are striving to get sevens. Seven days out of seven days, God would want you seeking Him through His Word and prayer. And I find that people who are struggling, their answers are commonly zero, maybe one. When we don't seek Him, in his word, our lives will not be strong like they should be. You see, it's called scripture testifies to who Jesus is. Now, Jesus has just rattled off five witnesses, and one would think that that would be enough. But Jesus says that the lack of witnesses is not the problem. Look at me in verse 40. Jesus says, you're not willing to come to me. Verse 42, you do not have the love of God in you. Verse 43, you do not receive me. You know, it's interesting. Now, maybe it's the perspective that we have on this side of accepting Jesus. We say things like, I don't know how people can go through life without God, without Jesus. I don't know how people can get through life without God's Word, without the Spirit leading and guiding them. And we sometimes take that for granted. But here Jesus is after coming through all of these witnesses about who he is, these people, they don't want anything to do with him. You're not willing. You don't have love. You do not receive me. Do you know that when people do not accept Jesus, they have not listened to so many witnesses that God has provided for them? You know, normally when we find one or two people who come together and agree, that's a pretty strong case. And people will agree and hear and listen and accept that. And Jesus is saying, that's not always true with people. So I want us to review one more additional witness of who Jesus is. Look back at verse 34. I've sort of mentioned this already. Verse 34 says this. Yet I do not receive testimony from man, but I say these things that you may be saved. Jesus was referring to John's personal testimony in that time. I just want to revive one more testimony, one more witness, and that's you. I don't want to just say and group us all together that testimonies in general are important. They are you. If you know Jesus as Savior... 
I mean, really know Him. Jesus confirms He knows you. Then you are a witness for who Jesus is. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says this, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now, not only, church, are you called to be a witness if you know Jesus. Jesus is praying for you as a witness of his. I'd like to read an excerpt of that prayer, but I'd like you to leave John chapter 5 and go with me. Flip over to John chapter 17. We're not going back to John chapter 5. You can let that finger go. John chapter 17. Now, as you're turning there, let me set the table for what John chapter 17 is. John chapter 17 is what many would call the actual Lord's Prayer. There's the model prayer that sometimes we in this world have called the Lord's Prayer. But John 17 is actually the Lord's Prayer. It happens on the night that Jesus is betrayed. It happens on the night that Jesus is arrested. Jesus spends time, and we've talked about this, in the Garden of Gethsemane. And it's in the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus is in his greatest battle, spiritually speaking, John 17. When you get to John 17, I'd like you to go. I'm going to read. I'm going to pick up in verse 13. John 17, verse 13, reads like this. But now I come to you. That's Jesus coming to the Father. Okay, I just want to set that perspective. But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in them. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself that they may also be sanctified by the truth. Catch this, church, verse 20. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Did you catch that? What happened right there? Jesus prayed for you that you would have his joy fulfilled in your life. He knows he has given you his word. Jesus prayed that you would be in the world, not of it, but in the world. There's a reason. God prayed that he would help you in the fight. Jesus prayed that that truth would change you, verse 17, and that he has sent us into the world. But look at verse 20. Let me just read that again. I do not pray for these alone, the ones who believed at that moment, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Did you catch that? Those who will believe. There were people in that moment that when they heard the testimony of these disciples, of the faithful followers of Christ in days to come, with the witnesses already aligned, the Holy Spirit, the Word of God, the test, the Father Himself, the testimony that people would come to believe. Church, Jesus prayed for your testimony, and He prayed that you would share it 
And Jesus said that if you will share your testimony, if you will be a witness, people will believe. Have you ever had this statement or this thought come through your head? I know I should share this with them, but they probably won't believe me. They probably won't accept it. To take an excerpt from a book, can I tell you that your shepherd, the one who called you, the one who sent you, the one who is praying for you, your shepherd would never tell you that your witness will not be accepted. He just prayed for you to know that your witness is important because it will help people believe. Do you know what happens when we take seriously God's call for us to be a witness and to share our testimony with our family, with our friends, with our neighbors, with strangers? Do you know what happens? Scripture says that they'll believe. Will everybody believe? Well, we can hope so. Well, Jeff, I've talked to so many people who won't believe, I just don't think it's worth sharing anymore. Well, I think I used this example a few weeks ago, but if I told you if you were going to witness to 100 people and 100 people were going to reject you, but when you talk to that 101st one, they're going to accept Jesus, would you fight through the 100? Let me share, you this, share this with you too. I've been sharing with you my testimony of how I'm trying to be faithful witness in the cancer battle, in the oncology office, in, and I talk with people. And you know most people, they'll let you pray for them. You can talk to them. Talked with one couple very briefly. And they said, I don't want anybody praying for me. They were hurt. They were bitter. And they go, I don't want, I don't want you praying for me. I don't want anybody praying for me. If you're not careful, if I'm not careful, I could let that stall me out. I could sit on my piano bench and just be quiet. You know what God told me? He said, pray for them anyway. Pray for them anyway. You don't have to have their permission to pray. And you don't have to have their permission to share. Because I've already told you what to do. And church, you get a decision this week. You're going to listen to the world you're going to listen to your insecurities. You're going to listen to Satan as he tries to get you not to do your job. Or are you going to listen to Jesus who said, Lord, I pray that not only do you give them my joy, you give them my strength, you give them my hope, that you put them in the world. Don't take them out of trouble. But while you're in trouble, embolden them and help them, Father. Because when they share their testimony, I'm praying for those who will believe. You don't think that's true? How'd you get here? Think about that. If the fact, if the strength of a testimony is worthless, then that means when Jesus died and those disciples, the only few in that room that, that carried it on, when they all died, it was over. But you sit here today as a validation that personal testimonies to the truth of who Jesus is make a difference. Amen? Somebody took God's word faithfully and shared their testimony. If they wouldn't have, you wouldn't be right here. Church, we have a responsibility. You know, they say that we're one generation away from the church dying. You know what I say to that? Not this generation. Do you know what happens if we rise up? 
and do what Jesus has prayed for us to do? That next generation will come to know Jesus. And you know what they'll say? Not this generation. You know the only way that the church dies is if we stop following Jesus. Church, not this generation. Now, I can't speak for every other church, but I want to be able to speak for this. Not this church. I want to encourage you. Stand up. Recognize the testimony you have. God has prayed for it, given it to you so that you would use it so that people will come to know Jesus. Have you seen that Jesus just will not get off this share me theme? He just won't. I'm glad. Aren't you, Larry? I'm glad that he didn't get off of it because somebody eventually shared it with me and now I'm sharing it with you and we get the chance to share it with somebody else. Jesus said they'll believe. Your witness is immensely vital, important, powerful. Share it. Who do you know that needs to know Jesus? Go tell them. Go tell them. And I'll make you this deal. If you know somebody who needs to know Jesus, but you're not going to go, tell me. Or if you know somebody that needs to know Jesus, but you're afraid to go by yourself, ask me to go with you. There are many people in this room that will go with you. But I'll tell you this, you take all the witness you need when you go by yourself in the name of the Lord. Amen.